I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for today, July 15th, 2021. Do me a favor, subscribe to our YouTube channel, tap the notification bell and see what happens. We've got a Q&A for you. We got dozens and dozens, if not over a hundred questions submitted at rubinreport.locals.com. So we're gonna get into a big mix uh, before we do that though, uh, I've got one story I wanna hit on with you because the administration seems to be afraid to say the C word. Not that C word, the other C word, communism, you dirty, dirty person, you. Uh, yeah, the administration will just not say communism related to Cuba, so we're gonna talk about that. And then, of course, that Black Lives Matter uh, or Black Lives Matters, whatever it is, uh, they are full-on Marxist communists. We've known that for quite some time, and they've basically issued a statement backing the government of Cuba and blaming America for everything that's happening. I will read you the entire statement, a statement which you will not see on MSNBC or CNN, not that you, wise person that you are, watch those ludicrous channels. Uh, before I get to any of that though, I wanna to talk to you guys about Taser. You, you know, the world in 2021 can feel like an unstable and dangerous place, but we can't live in fear, that is for sure. Taser is giving people the confidence to protect themselves by creating life-saving self-defense technology. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse, yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry risks for you and those around you and even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker and it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send for help. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location upon firing. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with the Taser network of devices, apps, and personnel. Protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart defense products. Unlike solutions that require extensive training and education, Taser products are simple, clear, and intuitive to use. Taser products empower you, they don't confuse you. The people at Taser believe that a safer self-defense is a better self-defense. Taser devices are available without a permit in most US states. Get the Taser Purse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code Ruben. Save 15% now at taser.com, promo code Ruben, spelled T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code Ruben. Restrictions apply, see site for details. And now back to me. All right, so let's just talk a little bit about Cuba right up top because the, the protests continue. Uh, there have been rolling blackouts there because of the government and shutting off internet and a series of attacks on citizens and people are still being brave enough to be in the streets because you're not gonna believe this, guys. Human beings want to live freely. They want to live without government coercion. They want to live lives that are theirs and with a sense of purpose and not to be told what to do and when to do it and how to do it and all that stuff. Well, for some reason, Jen Psaki, who is our White House press, uh, press secretary, not press correspondent, I don't know what she is, she's just a liar. Jen Psaki, who's just this woman who lies every day, she stands in the White House press room and she just lies all day. Well, uh, she refuses to blame communism on this. She just won't even say the C word. And before I show you this video of Jen Psaki, I would re uh, recommend that if you have 
any sake. Now is your time to drink it. Here we go. As the administration tries to figure out the root causes of migration to the country, don't we know that the reason people want to leave Cuba is because they don't like communism? We and so as you're trying to figure out like what the processes are uh, for these people who want to leave Cuba. Just well, well, I'm not sure what your question is. You guys. Have Why are people leaving Cuba, or what is the process for them getting here? I can explain either of them, but you tell sure, me. Yeah. Do you think that people are leaving Cuba because they don't like communism? I think we've been pretty clear that we think people are leaving Cuba or not leaving Cuba or protesting in the streets all as well because uh, they are opposed to the oppression, to the mismanagement of the government in the country. Why won't she say the C word? Why won't she just say, yes, people are obviously protesting communism? That would be something to say, right? Like communism, bad, capitalism, freedom, liberty, good. Why won't she say that? And I, I tweeted something out this morning that, that caught fire because where is any Democrat that is an elected official in the United States saying just flat out communism is bad? We stand against communism. You don't even have to get into the minutia of what's happening exactly in Cuba at the moment, but the ide ideology of communism, that the government should take over everything and basically be in everyone's lives from the media to business private enterprise, education, the entire thing. I mean, in many ways, it's exactly what's happening in America right now, so I think you can figure out why the Democrats won't speak out against it. But if this is where we're at, right, and it, it appears to be so, where the White House press secretary will not say the C word. I mean, they're turning communism into Voldemort, right? I did make a Harry Potter reference yesterday. Again, it's against everything I stand for because I want to keep it to a sci-fi thing, not a wizard thing, but, uh, you know, in, in Harry Potter, they didn't want to say Voldemort's name. And that's what these guys are doing with communism. This is, this is really disturbing, but it shouldn't surprise us. Because if you think that this is your parents' Democratic Party, if you think there's any moderate left in the party, there might be some who are privately moderate, but unless they stand up against the radicals, they don't really exist. So show me, please, I mean, I would love to see it. Show me a Democrat who is an elected official in the United States who will forcefully come out against communism and for the people of Cuba. You ain't gonna see it from Bernie or AOC or Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib, and you won't even see it from the supposed moderates, you know, let's say the Chuck Schumer wing of the party. You ain't gonna see it from any of them. And why you ain't gonna see it from any of them? It's because the party has been completely radicalized by Black Lives Matter. So now let's get the statement that Black Lives Matter issued on what's happening in Cuba. I'm gonna read the whole thing to you, and as you'll see, there's no real condemnation of the Cuban government. It's mostly a condemnation of the United States. They also defend a cop killer. Here we go. Black Lives Matter condemns the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans and urges it to immediately lift the economic embargo. This cruel and inhumane policy instituted with the explicit intention of destabilizing the country and undermining Cubans' right to choose their own government is at the heart of Cuba's current crisis. Since 1962, the United States has forced pain and suffering on the people of Cuba by cutting off food, medicine, and supplies, costing the tiny island nation an estimated $130 billion. Without that money, it is harder for Cuba to acquire medical equipment needed to develop its own COVID 
COVID-19 vaccines and equipment for food production. This comes in spite of the country's strong medical care and history of lending doctors and nurses to disasters around the world. The people of Cuba are being punished by the U.S. government because the country has maintained its commitment to sovereignty and self-determination. United States leaders have tried to crush this revolution for decades. Instead of international amity, respect, and goodwill, the U.S. government has only instigated suffering for the country's 11 million people, of which 4 million are black and brown. Cuba has historically demonstrated solidarity with oppressed peoples of African descent from protecting black revolutionaries like Asada Shakur through granting her asylum to supporting black liberation struggles in Angola, Mozambique, Guinea-Bissau, and South Africa. Now we look to President Biden to end the embargo, something Barack Obama called for in 2016. This embargo is a blatant human rights violation and it must come to an end. Now there's no condemnation of the Cuban government itself, the communist dictatorship that the people are protesting. The people on the streets who want to be free are not saying anything about a U.S. embargo. They want to be free of their own government. They're running around with American flags screaming freedom and liberty. So what's beautiful in a way is what's happening here is that the administration can't say anything bad about communism because they kind of like it. And Black Lives Matter is now fully exposing itself. It used to be a self-proclaimed Marxist organization. Then they took that language off their website. Well, now they're going all in on communism, right? They're not saying communism is bad and this government is bad and, and the U.S. maybe made some mistakes along the way. They're saying the, this is all the U.S.'s fault and the people really love the government of Cuba and it would all be okay if it wasn't for the U.S. So, all right. Black Lives Matter is a full-on communist organization, and no one in our administration seems to be willing to say anything bad about communism. So this is one of those things. I don't mean to be partisan, but if you tell me that the de Democrats and the Republicans are equally bad, both sides are just equally bad, and I'm a centrist or something like that, it's like, I don't know, can you tell what time it is? Like, something ain't right here. And I get that the Republicans aren't great, but they ain't that, and that thing's pretty freaking horrible. So, Saki, if you're watching, say communism. You'll feel better. You'll feel better about it. All right, guys, let's get to the Q&A. I'm going to do as many as possible from your questions submitted at rubenreport.locals.com. Oh, and by the way, for the first time ever today, now that we have live stream on Locals, I am going to jump on live stream a little bit later. And if I didn't get to your question today here, I will try to get to your question a little bit later, exclusive for the Locals community, because we are here for you. Emmy says, when is your book coming out and will we get a special pre order deal with Signature on it also has he considered having his own community for things like that. I assume by he, you mean me. Uh, the pre-order for the book. So the book is coming out. Ah, I want to tell you the title and we just absolutely finalized the cover today. Like I saw it like an hour ago, um, but I won't do it just yet. We will announce the title of the book. We will show you the cover of the book during my live stream on July 30th, right? That's Friday, July 30th which will be my last day on the grid. And then as you guys know, I go off the grid for August um, to an undisclosed location where I will do undisclosed things for one month and not have any news or phone or anything else. But on that live stream, we're gonna do all sorts of promos. There'll be signatures, we're gonna have numbered copies, and we're figuring out a way, we're trying to work through the details right now. I have a meeting about it right after the show today, uh, to figure out a way that the locals community will get the first numbered copies. That's what we're trying to figure out. Just logistically, it's a, it's a little bit of a thing, but if I sell, if we sell 10,000 numbered copies on day one, I will sign 10,000 things. It will be absolutely 
My pleasure. Um, but I'm really excited about this book. I think it's a nice step. It's it's step two. It's it, in maybe in a trilogy. It's it's sort of part two of after Don't Burn This Book, where I laid out what my ideas are, what I think the right ideas are. This book is well. What do you do once you have those right ideas in the face of some really awful stuff, say an administration that won't say that communism is bad. So yeah, we're gonna figure out some, some giveaways and I'm gonna sign book plates and they'll be numbered and a whole bunch of other stuff. And yeah, there'll be special uh, stuff for the locals community. Uh, Lance says, has your thought process improved or the way you approach business shifted since being red-pilled? You know, that's an interesting question because I would say they sorta, it, it sorta happened in parallel. Like as I started, say, becoming a little more libertarian, uh, in my thought process, right, and talking to libertarian or, or even conservative economists, and you know, just to get, let's get the government out of the way, let's lower taxes, let's get rid of regulation. Like, I was building a business here, right? Like, I have many employees now. I also have locals now, where we have about 20 employees, and we're hiring right now in Miami, as you know. And what I kept, as I was learning the ideas a little bit more, right? Like as the, as the red pilling was happening, it was all becoming very obvious to me. Like I would sit down with my accountants and business managers and I'd look at you know, how much money we have coming in and how much money we have going out. And I'm very happy to say that my two businesses, well, well Locals is a startup. So you know, a startup in, in an early stage, although we have a ton of good stuff going, startups don't run profitably yet. You know what I mean? But we're well funded and we have a great there's just so much going on, it's just great. I can't even say more for now. Um, but the Ruben Report business and our production company is highly profitable. As I always say, we treat our guys well, we, pe we pay everybody's uh, health insurance and their dependents 100%. And, and I don't do that out of just the goodness of my heart. It's like if you treat the people that are around you well, then they will work harder for you and then hopefully your product is better and then more people watch or more people subscribe and all of those things. So. I, that is con completely connected to my thought process, the red pilling process. It's like, if you tax the hell out of me, which they do here in Los Angeles, well then I have less money to say hire people or buy new equipment or things of that nature. So when we sit down and we're like, you know, my guys are like, Dave, we wanna get a new camera or we wanna get this or that, like we try to figure out a way to do it. There's a few things that we, we wanna do right now that will probably uh, debut in the fall and like, that's a beautiful thing. So I would say it's not that my thought process happened and then it all happened. It was happening in conjunction because I'm very proud to say that this, this operation, the Rubin Report and, and what we're doing here and then the book and locals and everything else, like it's, it's all still growing. Like, you know, I, I say to David almost every day, it's like, man, we're right back at the beginning again. Um, and you know, we made the right choices along the way. We left the Young Turks, left our jobs in health insurance. We were then at Aura TV for a while. We left there, left our jobs in health insurance. We went on Patreon. I didn't like what was happening on Patreon. We left that, built what became the beginnings of locals and went fully independent, then turned locals into a tech company and raised millions of dollars. Like, these, these are all like, the ideas that I care about without saying to the government, help me, help me. So I would say these things happen in parallel. Thanks for the question, Lance. Uh, Leah says, Freedom Fest next week. Are you still speaking? And are you willing to do a locals meetup? I'm from California and I will be there. Yes, I will be at Freedom Fest next week. I know Ayan Hirsi Ali will be there and Michael Shermer will be there and a bunch of other friends of mine will be there. And it's a, it's a big libertarian-esque conference, we're gonna talk all about freedom and big tech and what some of the solutions are. I will be giving a main stage speech at 11 a.m., 11 to 11.30 on Thursday, July 22nd. Then I'm doing another panel. And I, yeah, maybe we can figure out a, a locals meetup or I'll just grab a drink with some of you guys. Uh, obviously I'm not posting that publicly, so you gotta join us at rubinreport.locals.com and I hope 
to see you there. Uh, Storm says, I try to buy locally when I can, but some of the best places virtue signals so bad, I question my purchase at times. As a consumer, when do you put your foot down and when do you grit and bear it? This is a great question. I think we're all kind of struggling with this, right? Like, so I still have Amazon. Am I thrilled with Amazon? Of course, I'm not thrilled with Amazon. They blew up the, the parlor servers. They're, they're so ubiquitous and in every part of our life now, like what we buy and what we watch and the servers that put websites up and everything else, that it's, it, they're becoming too big, right? Like, so I, I don't begrudge them, like I don't begrudge Jeff Bezos for building an amazing product. It's actually pretty amazing. And as a guy that's in the tech world now, I know how hard it is. I have at least an inkling of how hard it is. So I don't begrudge him that, but at some point, you know, to say that you're for small government, well, it's because you're against giant power over us. So I would apply that same principle to these businesses, that they have become so big, like what's, what feels more powerful to you? What has more to do with your day-to-day -day life? Is it the US government or is it big tech? Is it Amazon and everything else, right? Like if the government just, you know, got out of your life, you'd probably be pretty happy. If big tech got rid of everything, all your services, you'd be, you'd be freaking out. Now it might ultimately be, be good because we could rebuild some smaller things perhaps, but I think you see my point. So I try as much as possible to buy locally when I can. Um, I try not to buy everything on Amazon. I know it's easy. You know what I mean? Like I know it's easy. You run out of paper towels and you can just Amazon and it's there the next day. I try to go to stores. You know, also this last year, it just completely made the, the problem worse because everyone started ordering everything and we were going out less and everything else. Um, but I do try like, you know, if I, I try to like, if I see a kid with a lemonade stand, I try to buy the freaking lemonade. Although I never have cash on me anymore, which is a problem. These, so if you're a lemonade stand kid, uh, you gotta start accept, you gotta get like a Stripe thing or something just so we can scan a credit card or something. That's a little tip for you kids out there. Um, but I think you gotta, you gotta try as much as you can, but don't, don't feel guilty about it because we're all trying, you know, it's like, I get it, like Disney sucks and has ruined so many of the things that we all love. I mean, you know my feelings on what they've done to Star Wars, but it's like, I get it if you're a parent and you know, your kids want access to the Disney movies and you pay the money for that. Hopefully you're not getting them brainwashed by everything else, but we all, I think that's your point about Grit and Barrett. It's like, when do you just say, no, enough is enough, and when do you just, you know, oh, you know, Michael's looking at me like, he likes Bad Batch. You like Bad Batch, okay? You like Bad, I watched the first one, then I kind of fell asleep, that was it. But like, I get it, he doesn't love Disney, but it's like, you know, we're all playing the game. And maybe you get your account from uh, your cousin. I don't know what you're doing over there. Uh, Danielle says, how can locals help improve the conservative ground game the Democrats are great at organizing and getting tangible results. Republicans still struggle with that. Would be great to have an action component in locals, linking your community with organizations and other resources. So we've been thinking about something like this. Again, you know, we've really only had this company for two years and, and trust me, what we've built, and I always tell you guys, we, we own all of the tech, we own all of the code, the live streaming we built ourselves. Like, we, we, you know, we're, we're doing something really special here and I want to announce things that I can't quite tell you right now, um, but good things are happening. But yes, the next part of that is I want, you know, the reason I love the name Locals is the idea was, oh, I'm building my Locals community. I'm building my digital home. That's what we've got over there. So if, if YouTube, literally if YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, if the whole, if the whole crew of them kicked me off tomorrow, if my accounts all blew up right now, if this live stream just ended right now, I still have a thriving business because of locals. I still have an ability to live stream. I still have an ability to get push notifications out to you guys and everything else. So that's why I love the idea of locals. But yes, the next part of that 
is I want people to be able to link to local businesses that they can support, nonprofits that they're interested in, to be able, I wanna create some sort of actually, gets to an earlier question, like a, a smaller Amazon marketplace, where it's like I want people that are in my community uh, to be promoting their own products, which by the way is happening in, in the community, and we know that people have bought artwork, and people have bought uh, spices and, and all kind coffee and all kinds of stuff. So I love that. Like I think we've gone from too big to fail to too big to succeed. And it's like, let's figure out ways to, I wanna work with more nonprofits. We actually just started doing that. So PragerU is now on uh, Locals and a couple others. And it's like, we will figure out ways to fix this. Like, I just believe in human ingenuity. I believe in the human mind. Like, we've been around for a long time. Millennia human beings. And we've, we've survived bad things before and we will survive the bad things that are happening right now. But it starts with us all getting involved one way or another. Uh, TJ says that now that Larry Elder has thrown his hat into the recall ring, do you think he can attract younger black voters because they will respect his seniority and sense of authority? Or do you think his age and traditional values could work against him? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I should tell you that I will be interviewing my good buddy, Larry Elder. We're doing it in studio on Monday, and then I believe we're posting it on, on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I can't wait to sit down with, or I guess we're gonna post that on Wednesday. We got a couple things uh, cooking already. Um, but I can't wait to sit down with Larry. I will ask him that very question. I mean, look, Larry, is a fact machine. Larry, as I said yesterday, he falls a little bit more on, I would say, the libertarian side of the conservative movement, which that's a little bit more where I am. I don't think Larry cares about something like gay marriage. I don't think Larry really cares what you smoke in the privacy of your own bedroom. I know that Larry wants the economy open. I know that he wants critical race theory out of the schools. I know that he doesn't want to just throw money at everything, right? Like that's the, that's the real libertarian jolt that California needs that, you know, even right now as Gavin Newsom, there's commercials every two seconds. Every time I open up a YouTube video, it's Gavin Newsom is doing so great. California's roaring back. And it's like with tax breaks and tax cuts. And it's like, Oh, what a nice man, Gavin Newsom, giving us the money that we earn that he stole from us in the first place. It's like, it's so funny if you think about how the Democrats think. It's like they reward us with tax breaks and tax credits and all that. Well, okay, how about you just lower taxes in the first place? How about just take less? Like if you've got the money, and, and I get it, they don't really have the money, it's, and it's federal bailouts, and they just print money endlessly. But Larry, I think, has absolutely all the right ideas. Uh, it, to directly answer your question, though, about say younger black people. I mean, I do think that there has been a huge awakening within, I hate the phrase community, but the black community related to what's going on with the Democrats. We know that Trump's support for, uh, Trump's black support was doubled from 2016 to 2018, something like 4% to about 9%. Now that's not huge, I get it, it's not huge, but if something doubles, and doubles and doubles and doubles, well now we got some scaling, like something interesting is going on here. Um, so we know that. We also know that Trump did very well uh, you know, with the Hispanic community. Uh, we also know that younger black people aren't as uh, stuck and brainwashed, which I would say younger white people aren't and younger Hispanic people aren't. You're not gonna believe this. I, I'm starting to think that people, despite their skin color, are all kind of the same and all kind of want the same things. Um, so I hope that it'll work. So when you say traditional values, I don't know exactly what you mean by that, but I would say that I think that Larry's got the right idea set and I hope he's really, really willing to fight and, and just imagine, imagine a debate if, if Larry can get in there, imagine a debate between Larry Elder, fact machine, who's got a good sense of humor and is a good man and fun and smiley and happy. 
uh, against evil American psycho Gavin Newsom. Like, I would just, I would pay money to see it. Anyway, Larry will be in here right in this very room uh, next week. And then I told him, uh, you know, for the rest of July, I'm willing to travel with him and fundraise, do whatever. I'm off for August, but happy to pick it up in September and help him in any way that I can. Uh, Amy says, I just watched the Lara Logan episode on big tech in which you are interviewed. As you were talking about locals, I wondered as it went from idea to fruition, what was it that you experienced personally and emotionally? Uh, so that for those of you that haven't seen it, I did uh, part of a documentary with Lara Logan that's on Fox Nation. And Lara is just, she's an actual journalist. What a refreshing statement that is to make, that there's someone out there that actually cares about truth and is going you know, to the places. This is a woman who is in Tahrir, Tahrir Square in Egypt. Uh, some pretty horrible things happened to her there. She goes out in the field, she reports on Antifa, she reports on what's happening in the war on drugs, all sorts of stuff. And I was thrilled that she came here her team, they interviewed me for about five hours. It was really great. And we talked all about big tech. So your question is um, on the local side as it went from idea to fruition, what was it that you experienced personally and emotionally? Well, first off, I had no, you know, like I just had this idea, like let's just build small communities. If we build it for me, like the first idea was not that we were building a giant company. It really was like, well, if I get kicked off all of these places, like I want my stuff to be uh, accessible and I want to be able to make some money and I want to be able to communicate with my audience, let's build it. And it didn't seem like rocket science to me. It was, it was a little tricky to build, uh, but we built it. And then once it started working for us, I was like, man, we should spawn this off to other people. Like this is what every creator, it doesn't matter if you're a political creator, if you're a sports guy or a video gamer or an unboxer or a knitter, whether you're a lefty or a righty, none of that matters. Like let's just give the tools so that somebody can have a home, a home online. I think that's what we all want. I actually think, I don't want to give too much away, but I think that a, a next version of locals, as we continue to, to reiterate and you know you pivot into different things, like we could start making locals communities for everybody, like what Facebook was supposed to be, instead of just this giant, you know, mismatch of stuff that makes everyone angry and hate people they used to like and everything else. Um, that if you just had a home that was yours, and then you figure out who do you want to be in a sort of wider community with. But I would say personally and emotionally, it was, it's been way more work. Like, I, you know, most of my days now are, are dealing with locals related stuff. I'm not running, I'm not the CEO of the company, but I, you know, I'm on virtually all of the meetings, I'm onboarding people, I'm, I'm selling the company, I'm the main PR guy. Um, and then I'm involved in some of the technical decisions and when we're gonna lay things out. And then the fundraising, which was like months and months and months of hours a day and traveling and all that stuff. But I gotta say, I love it, I love it. Like, it's one of the coolest things I think you could do as an adult to like be part of building something that A, that you think is important and that is vital and good and it's, it's good for you and, and hopefully good for the world. And you know, for the first year or so, I didn't take any money from locals. I get a couple thousand bucks a month now, like a very small salary um, just for my time basically. But like, could there be a huge financial reward at the end? Of course there could be, but like, that's not really what I'm doing it for. Like, it's actually fun to do. So I would say, I'd say it's been very validating. Like, it's like, oh, I saw, you know, it's sort of like, it's very in line, I would say, with my political evolution. Like, I was like, years ago, I was like, guys, there's something wrong with the left. They're all bananas. We're not all Nazis. Can we do something about this? And then like, the world kind of caught up to that. 
Um, and I think that's sort of what's happening with locals. Like everyone knew there was a problem with big tech and a couple years ago I was like, oh, I guess I should solve the problem. Like I'm a guy, someone should solve the problem. Like why don't I do it? I'm a guy like me, right? That's the, the famous Homer Simpson line. Uh, ben says, where is the outrage about the political prisoners that have been detained or are in, and are in solidarity as the result of January 6th, juxtaposed with the BLM and TIFA participants who have all had their charges dropped greatly, reduced, and are out on bail pending their constitutionally protected rights? This is a great question. So I haven't done much on this, and it's a little unclear how to get all of the information on this, but it sounds like there are many people, I don't know how many, that were arrested on 1-6, on January 6th, at the Capitol, either for violent acts or they were there or trespassing or whatever the charges are, and they haven't had charges fully brought against them and some of them have been in solitary confinement and a whole bunch of other stuff. And of course the mainstream media isn't talking about it. Now look, 100%, if you violently broke into a building, if you tacked in a police officer, et cetera, et cetera, then we are a nation of laws, as I always say, and you have to apply those laws fairly. Your point is we don't apply those laws fairly, right? Because we've got these people that are now charged or, or not charged, but are incarcerated, some version of that. And then we know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of BLM and Antifa people who attack federal court buildings in Portland and burn down buildings and destroy Kenosha. And I can go through all the cities that, you know, and create CHOP, a zone where, you know, it's a lawless Mad Max style zone in Seattle. And it's like, well, that's illegal. Was anyone arrested for any of that stuff? Should the politicians who allowed it to happen, like Ted Wheeler, the ridiculous mayor in Portland, should he be arrested because he's allowing illegal things to happen in his city? I mean, I think there's a lot of questions about that. Like these DAs in these cities, Los Angeles, San Francisco, et cetera, if you just say, we're not gonna prosecute certain crime, trespassing, criminal theft, whatever it is, whatever the crime is, if we just say we're not gonna uh, prosecute these things in New York City, where the new DA doesn't wanna prosecute if you jump the turnstile to get on the subway. I don't know, I think it's about 250, 275, you swipe your thing. Well, you're basically saying, hey, go be a criminal. Go be a criminal. Well, I have to believe that that's against their oath of office or their their the duty that they signed up for, right? Um, so I think we're gonna have to get some of this stuff in the courts and uh, and hopefully we'll find out more about some of these people that are being held. Uh, Tom says, with Cuba so prevalent in the news right now, what would you do as president that Biden isn't doing to stand up for the freedom lovers of Cuba? Well, first off, it's directly related to how I started today. You say this is about communism because that is the truth. These people are not out there screaming that they're not getting enough vaccines. That is simply not what's happening. That is the narrative that is being spun by our ridiculous corporate media and by our administration. But I would get up there and have a little bit of moral clarity. You don't have to have a ton of it, but they, they seem to have none of it. Biden should be up there saying, people yearn to be free. We know that communism over the last hundred years, every single place that communism has been tested, has been an affront to human dignity, that has been an experiment where lots of people get killed, because guess what, not every person wants to just be a cog in a much 
much bigger system, right? We could, he could make a pro-capitalist argument, right? He could actually read that BLM statement and explain why the US has done what it's done with sanctions and why people yearn to be free and the rest of it. And he could even say, you know, maybe we did make some mistakes over the years and I know Obama wanted to talk about sanctions and maybe there's a way to do less with sanctions so that the economy there frees up a little bit. Like there's all sorts of things you could do. But I think it, it's, it starts with acknowledging reality as it is which is that the people there want to be free. The problem is the Democrats have, are being, the inmates are running the asylum in the Democratic Party right now. And if Biden was to forcefully come out against communism, what, that, what the base would take that as means you're against socialism, right? Because socialism is just communism done slightly more legally, right? They're gonna use the system as it is until they get the communist takeover and then they just change the system altogether. But the idea of the centralized state controls everything, that's the, that's the link really between socialism and communism, okay? So he knows that if he really comes out forcefully against communism, that the base, which is now a bunch of socialists, including the people in his own party, AOC, Tlaib, Omar, et cetera, that they will turn on him. So they've, they've created just an, a, a really, really evil monster, and they don't know how to control that monster. They've got Frankenstein's monster on their hands, and good luck to you guys. Uh, Jamie says, what are your thoughts regarding Andrew Yang lately? I saw a meme where he is portrayed as the voice of reason between the arguing left and right. So, you know, Yang, of course, ran for president, basically polled at zero the entire time. I saw a lot of people sort of in my circles that were like, oh, he's not obsessed with identity politics. He seems like he has some new ideas. So they were sort of publicly supporting him. Look, I had him on the show. I like chatting with the guy, and I think he did have some of the right ideas. Um, that being said, you know, a couple weeks before uh, the New York City mayoral election, because he also ran in that and, and did extremely poorly in that as well, um, he was interviewed by the New York Times, and that, that woman, we've shown a couple clips of her, Maya, I think it's Maya Gay, right? Maya Gay or Mara Gay? Mara Gay, I think. Um, she basically said that I'm a white supremacist and that he did my show and he didn't push back at all. Like he basically completely threw me under the bus and he was like, he was like, oh, I wouldn't have to do shows like that if you guys, meaning you lefties, would invite me on more shows. So he, I'm not very impressed with Yang. Like I'm, I'm just not, I don't think he's a bad dude. I think he's a decent human being. He likes basketball. He smiles every now and again. He's not a, a generic, um, politician, um, but ultimately it's like you, you ran a campaign that had no support, you then became a CNN contributor, then you ran for New York City mayor, no support. It's like if you're so great and you're such an innovator and you think so differently about things, like go accomplish something in, in the private sector now, like show us how good you are at things. Uh, you know, he also then went to Georgia and he was really campaigning for the Democrats there. So it's like you ran for president, you failed. Then you went to Georgia. You've never lived in Georgia as far as I know, or you certainly didn't live in Georgia at the time. Like, why are you obsessed with politics? All these people that like are just chasing around politics all the time don't, don't really impress me. Uh, Tina says, uh, you have so much going on yet you seem happy and not overwhelmed. How do you do it all and not go bananas? Um, I would say I'm pretty happy actually. Like I, I keep telling, when people say to me, how you doing? I'm like, well, despite the revolution, I'm doing all right. Like I feel pretty good about life. Like David and I 
are happy. It's the summer, like I always enjoy this time of year. It was my birthday a couple weeks ago. It's David's birthday on, on Monday. My businesses are good. My, my employees are good. Like we're taking uh, this off the grid thing. So we're, we're going away for, for a little bit and I'm gonna have no phone for a freaking month. I think that's a big piece of it. Like I don't let this, this endless machine of lunacy, I don't let it like infect every part of my life. I think there was a time that I did, you know, when I first started doing all this and when the show started blowing up and when I, when I did that Why I Left the Left video and I started getting so much hate. I mean, you guys all know the story. Like I developed uh, an autoimmune disease. I developed alopecia areata. I lost about 40% of my hair. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd just clumps of hair in my hand. I went on experiment, experimental medication. It was absolutely horrible. Um, but since then I've started to just deal with stress better. I start the day every day. I have a little water with lemon. I have my coffee. I try to do cardio. I try to do about an hour of cardio. I, this morning I did an hour and a half of cardio. You know what I did this morning? I started my morning. I woke up at, I, I'm an early riser, so I woke up at about 7 a.m. I went on YouTube and I usually watch old basketball games or something. They had the full 1985 Transformers movie, not the Michael Bay. Transformers that are absolutely horrible. The original cartoon movie after two seasons of the cartoon Transformers, more than meets the eye, remember those guys? And, and it's just an incredible movie. Orson Welles plays Unicron. It's his last thing that he ever did before he died. Just incredible. Uh, they, um, Leonard Nimoy is the voice of Galvatron. Like just some really like great stuff in there. Robert Stack is the voice of, uh, not Rodimus Prime. Um, uh, Robert Stack, Transformers movie. Uh, not uh, Prime, uh, ah, it's killing me. Robert Stack, Transformers movie, who did he play? Ultra Magnus, I got that before he Googled it. Ultra Magnus, there you go. Anyway, so I did, I was like, ah, I'm watching this thing. It ended up being about an hour and 40 minutes, so I did cardio the entire time. So I, I, we try to eat right, you know, I post a lot of pictures on the locals community, like I love good food, um, like playing with the dog, I, I don't know. And I, and I will say something else actually, which is that, you know, you guys know that, you know, years ago I was saying that I was an atheist and I think as I've, as I've moved away from that and I would say that I'm a believer and, and I've talked about it a bunch and I make an, a, a belief argument in Don't Burn This Book and I, I've talked about that Jordan Peterson clip when he talks about belief that, you know, truth for truth's sake and saying the truth is the ultimate expression of uh, faith in a way, right? You're taking the leap of faith by saying, hey, if I say the truth, the best possible thing will happen. It doesn't mean that all good things will happen. Like that's a type of faith that I believe in. And I think that that has also made me not crazy. Like all, for all the craziness right now, it feels like the country is becoming, like we're, we're succumbing to communism and Marxism and all these horrible ideas. And suddenly being racist is the new not being racist. And like all of these horrible things are happening. But like, I think, I just believe, I believe that my ancestors had it worse than I did, much worse than I did. And that humans go through times of really terrible stuff. And I think if we can just wake up enough people, we won't be crazy and, and or, or we won't lose it. We won't lose it. And that, I, that gives me great comfort. That really does give me great comfort. So that, you know, keeps a smile on my face and uh, we're in the middle of rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm. So we started season six last night. I, you know, I try not to look at my phone after like 8 p.m. or so, I, I do sometimes, but I try, I definitely don't tweet on the weekends. And actually really, and I'm not saying this as a, as a sales job, but, but the community that we've created on Locals, I open up that app and it's like good people sharing their ideas and personal lives and 
and pictures of sporting events and, and food and, and what they're listening to and everything else. And it's like, that's my off-ramp for all the craziness. Um, so, you know, and it's not everything, that's the point. If, if you don't believe that politics is everything, you can find happiness right now. Like if, if you're struggling with something and we all struggle with different things, I'm not saying I got no issues, like I've got some, some family stuff, but you know, like we've all got stuff, right? Like we, we've all got stuff. Um, but I think if you can keep a little perspective, people have been through bad stuff before and that politics is not everything. And that if you work to make sure that the, the bad people in politics can't make every decision for you, can't infringe on every part of your life, then I think you'll be happier. And uh, you know, having some, some decent friends and stuff like that. Guys, part two of my interview with Kevin McCarthy, uh, GOP minority leader of the House is up on YouTube right now. The full episode is up early and ad free at rubenreport.locals.com. And we are doing a round table tomorrow. I know it's been a little while since we did one because of my travels. Uh, Rogan O'Handley will be on, lawyer Ron Coleman and Ali Stuckey from Blaze TV. And uh, as this conversation went today. I've now got 8,000 locals meetings, so, uh, oh, and one book meeting, so I got stuff to do. I hope you have stuff to do that, that gives you a sense of purpose and happiness and joy. Have a good day. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.